Welcome to an enlightening podcast from IslamPodcasts.com. We encourage our listeners to please comment and let us know how we can grow in our knowledge to better serve our community. Please remind your family and friends to also visit IslamPodcasts.com for engaging discussions on current events, Islamic guidance, Quran, Tafsir, Sira, and much more. بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم والصلاة والسلام على رسوله الكريم والحمد لله رب العالمين حمد الشاكرين رب اشرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري واحلل عقدة من لساني يفقه قولي السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته Your brothers The question that's happening today or the events in Palestine in Al-Aqsa and Al-Quds in Gaza Uh, these are very disturbing issues uh, for many reasons. Let me uh, start uh, by putting some facts on the ground. Fact number one that we always have to realize that the issue of uh, Palestine, Al-Aqsa, Al-Quds, uh, in particular, uh, as far as we are concerned as the Muslims, this is part of our aqidah, this is part of our iman. This is not something that you can let go. Uh, this is not something that you can go easy about. Why? Because we know that Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa has been uh, termed in, in our faith that this is Ula Al-Qiblatayn. This is the first Qibla that was used for Muslims to pray when we pray to Allah Azza wa Jal. It is the third sacred mosque in Islam uh, where the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam Uh, uh, he mentioned لا تشد الرحال إلا إلى ثلاث there are three masjids that you can actually travel for that's المسجد الحرام مسجد the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم in المدينة and المسجد الأقصى number three this is the event of Isra where Allah عز وجل uh, stated that in the Quran in a whole surah called Surah Al-Isra when the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم made the very Uh, 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 important and famous trip in his life as a prophet where Allah took him on a journey from Mecca to uh, Al-Quds uh, where of course uh, even at that time the Aqsa was not yet a masjid it was uh, a place of worship for from the previous uh, religions, uh, Christianity Judaism from the time of Ibrahim السلام, this was a place for worship but It was not Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa, but Allah Azza wa Jal called it Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa by saying, Subhan Al-Ladhi Asra Bi'abdihi The all glorification be to Allah, the one who made, took his uh, servant in a journey. Asra Bi'abdihi Laylan at night from Al-Masjid Al-Haram to Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa Al-Ladhi Barakna Hawla, the one that we have made it blessed and we blessed all its surroundings. So that's a fact. Now, Uh, uh, fact number two that this place this uh, Masjid Al-Aqsa and Al-Quds and Palestine uh, was uh, occupied by or at least was uh, uh, occupied first by the British and the British they created uh, a homeland for the Jews in Palestine and eventually they converted that homeland into a state and from that state they evicted more than 5 million Palestinians out of the, uh, their homes, their lands, the places where they used to live, and they created a state, a Jewish state today, quote-unquote, it's called uh, Israel. Uh, and one of the reasons for creating that state in Palestine 
was to make sure that the the uh, imperialists of the time, Britain, France, and later on America, can always have a, a tool or a device that w- they, they would use to divide the Muslim Ummah, not to allow the Ummah one more time to go back to the uh, uh, to the structure of Islam as it should be, which is, of course, let me uh, mention the, the, the point, is that the creation of the state of uh, for the Jewish and the homeland for the Jewish, it was almost simultaneous uh, during the right during the the uh, the aftermath of the First World War, simultaneous to the destruction and to the removal of the Khilafah state from from the world. So the 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 creation of the Jewish state in Palestine, one of its objectives was to make sure that it will always be. Uh, uh, an element, if you will, that would distract the Muslims from the uh, the from the original or the the core of the problems that the Muslims face today, which is the absence of an Islamic state that could run the affairs of Muslims, can protect the lands, can liberate the lands, can protect the uh, laws of the Muslims, can protect the lives of Muslims, not only in Palestine but uh, wherever they uh, they, uh, they might be. So those are some facts on the ground. Other facts here, uh, for the last uh, almost 70 years uh, or more, uh, since the creation of the Jewish state in 1948, the, uh, the uh, main keys that or influential keys in the conflict in Palestine had been in the hands of either the uh, Western powers directly, like Britain uh, uh, and later on America and maybe France and the uh, Security Council uh, in general, uh, or the uh, Jewish lobbies in uh, uh, in Europe and in America and uh, uh, other places, and the uh, Jewish state itself in Palestine, and and also some uh, rulers in the Muslim world or particularly in the Arab world in the neighboring countries like Jordan, Syria, Lebanon, Egypt, and the the ones that follow like Saudi Arabia, the Gulf states, Iraq, etc., had the rulers in these countries had been very close collaborators with the uh, uh, with America now, with Britain then, uh, sometimes with France like Lebanon or uh, some uh, at one point of time when the Soviet Union had some uh, some hand into it, so those rulers, the ones who are who were supposed to be on the borders of Palestine and to be protectors of this land, they had been actually collaborators with the Western uh, uh, schema, with the with the imperialist schema, and had uh, 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 had allowed or enabled the continuation of the Jewish state for. Uh, for all this period of time, starting from 1948 when it was officially established, officially established by the by the British and by the uh, uh, United Nations at the time, and the so-called Arab armies, they facilitated the uh, establishment of the Jewish state, and they continued to suppress the armies in the Muslim world, so they will not engage in any war with the with the Jewish state a war that could possibly liberate Palestine. There were some wars, like in 1967, 
literally by by british generals and then in the midst of the so called the uh, the fight they withdrew and they established a border a line beyond which no one is supposed to uh, to uh, to cross so the 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 whole palestinian uh, uh, front and fighters they were let down the arms were cut off and then the migration uh, of uh, Uh, more than 1.5 million at the time Palestinians where my, they migrated either to Gaza, to Gaza or to the West Bank of Jordan or to Lebanon. 1967, they fought a war, another war, and that war was actually established in a manner, designed in a manner, so that the Jewish state would grow and would, be, would become a, fact, a, a, a matter of fact on the ground. So negotiations now, Well, the Jewish state was about the land occupied in 1967, not the land occupied in 1948. So this was now as a de facto, the state, so-called state of Israel becomes a de facto. 1973, Egypt launched a war uh, against Israel, but that war eventually resulted in what we, what we, what's known as Camp David, where the uh, president of Egypt then Sadat uh, declared that now after I had fought a war with the, with the Jewish state, now I have the right to, to make a peace treaty and to negotiate the, uh, the existence of the Jewish state. And he recognized, quote-unquote, Israel uh, in exchange of a piece of land which was occupied after the creation of the Jewish state. So as if the Sinai, which was occupied in 1967, was like the Uh, the the uh, the element which allowed the Egypt to negotiate for the return of Sinai and the recognition of the Jewish state in in Palestine and so on so this is how the whole thing the whole ordeal came from that time uh, uh, there were so many attempts to finalize and end the problem in, in Palestine in a manner that Uh, permanently established the Jewish state as the sole owner and controller and sovereign over the Palestinian land, including Al-Quds, Jerusalem, which we, 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 we saw that in the uh, last year, Trump, during his last year of, or last two years of, in his presidency, he announced that he accepts Jerusalem, Al-Quds, to be the permanent capital city of uh, uh, the Jewish state. Uh, and he moved the embassy of the United States into Jerusalem as a proof of the intention of America that they will uh, uh, allow the Jewish state to have their uh, capital city, uh, uh, Jerusalem. And then started the whole ordeal uh, about, oh, what is this, the uh, Jerusalem being the, the uh, capital of Jewish state? There was a conference in Turkey, which was convened, 
for the Muslim League or the the League of Muslim Nations, uh, and there in this league, uh, Erdogan and some of the the, the uh, leaders at the time who were uh, who who were in the conference, they announced that they will never recognize the holy. Jerusalem, and they named the word holy. Uh, Note this, pay attention to the word holy Jerusalem. Holy Jerusalem means only Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa, the Aqsa Mosque, the Qubba Al-Sakhra, the Dome of the Rock, and part of the Church of Al-Qiyamah, Al-Qiyamah Church, which is uh, next to, uh, close to to Al-Aqsa. This is the shrines, or the the holy places. This is what is called Al-Quds Al-Sharif. So Al-Quds Al-Sharif, according to the Muslim League and the Arab leaders and the Muslim leaders, has got to be out of the control of the Jewish state. But it it must be under the control of the United Nations. And recently, during the current crisis, Erdogan announced that it's time to send international forces, international global forces, which which means United Nations organized forces, to to protect the Holy Jerusalem. The Holy Jerusalem is the Actually, it's 144,000 square meters. That's uh, the, the, which is what we call it. It's almost uh, 144 divided by almost four, which is about 40 acres or 35 acres of land. That's all, all, all they are talking about. So that's where the situation is. Now, every now and then, the uh, uh, Israeli forces, they provoke some people in in Palestine and they test the ground, how much are we, the Muslims are serious uh, uh, about our land, about Al-Aqsa, about Al-Quds. And that's a provocative actions by the Jewish state and by the settlers and by some, and of course it's armed forces. Uh, sometimes they say these are settlers, these are armed forces. Everyone in in that state is an armed person. Uh, And that usually aims at testing the ground, how much Muslims are willing to go in order to protect Al-Aqsa. And of course, the only ones who were uh, keen about Al-Aqsa, physically, the physical place in Al-Aqsa, are the ones who are living in the neighborhood of Al-Aqsa. These are people who always protect that place with their bodies, with their blood, with their uh, bare-handed, it doesn't uh, uh, matter how much, uh, how they they do that, but they stand still and they do not allow the settlers or the Jewish state to take over Al-Aqsa. But that is a continuous struggle. Today, uh, in the last events, which is during the end of uh, Ramadan, of course, the the Jewish state announced that there will be, on the 28th of Ramadan, there will be a mass a mass prayer in the uh, vicinity of Al-Aqsa by thousands of uh, so-called Jewish religious people or Jewish settlers. Or So that was the biggest uh, provocative action in the last uh, maybe few years. It, it's, it's one of the largest. And it was uh, uh, meant to provoke and to uh, uh, to create certain uh, actions on the ground uh, to see 
if the Jewish state can gain much more, uh, if you will, uh, uh, political benefits, political advantage uh, in the area. And that was what we witnessed, how the uh, the Muslim brothers and sisters in Masjid al-Aqsa, they, uh, they were there all the time. They would not allow anyone to come in. There were some, some massacres inside. People were beaten. Uh, people lost their lives. Etc. in in uh, Al Aqsa, and then of course came the war with Gaza, which we which we still going on until uh, until today. Now, amidst all of these, you will find uh, uh, all types of uh, uh, so-called proposed solutions. Uh, what can we do? In general, that's the question that comes. What can we do as Muslims? Number one, what has been common all over the world is let's protest and demonstrate. Protest demonstrations uh, from the Washington DC to Moscow to London to Paris to uh, Copenhagen to Berlin in, in Europe and in America to uh, Turkey, Pakistan, uh, Morocco, Algeria, Jordan. In fact, in Jordan, uh, this past week, last, uh, in fact, on Friday, a very massive demonstration walked all the way to the border with Palestine. Protest and show that you are angry, you don't uh, approve of that. Uh, that's the most common act. Another act that had been uh, floating around, especially uh, uh, these days, you need to supply the people of Gaza with some medications because the poor guys are being wounded and there is not enough uh, bandages to put on their wounds or not enough sheets to cover the bodies of the shaheeds and the people who are killed. So you will send them those things to cover their bodies and bury them or to send them bandages for their, their wounds uh, and some medications to support. And that medications, of course, need some, some money and some uh, donations. Uh, all of these, look at all of these cases around. None of these cases had uh, stepped up to the point where, well, what about the armies that are uh, stationed next to the borders of the Jewish state? In Egypt, in Sinai, in Jordan, which is the longest border, in Syria, (coughs) and in Lebanon. And beyond that, there is Saudi Arabia, Emirates, the Gulf States, and the uh, uh, North African countries, and Iraq, etc., and Turkey. Each and every one of these countries had spent billions of dollars building up their armies, and the armies had proven to be very effective in fighting in Yemen, for example, which means we do have armies. There are uh, airplanes, and there are rockets, and there are sometimes uh, mid-range rockets like the ones that the Houthis in Yemen have. Uh, uh, They have some... Uh, in Saudi Arabia, like the Patriot missiles, just like the Jewish state had the so-called the, the steel dome of, uh, for protecting the, the uh, skies of the Jewish state, uh, Saudi Arabia has that. Uh, uh, Egypt had uh, thousands of tanks, uh, airplanes, helicopters, which they used in Sinai against their own people. And they used it in Libya in order to fight in Libya. And Turkey had some arms which they used it in Libya and uh, 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 Turkey and Jordan and even Iraq or Iran 
especially Iran had so much arms that went into Syria to crush the revolutions. So there are armies there. But in the conflict, in the conflict, no one is raising the big voice, the strong voice, that those arms, those armies must move in. You cannot, this is a war that goes inside now Palestine. There is no way you can allow the people in Gaza with the, with the very limited, very limited resources, not only limited resources, but even controlled resources to be controlled, uh, to be to be left alone on, uh, in the war zone. So the, the, the real solution, the only solution that can be applied in this case to the issue of Palestine and later on, I don't want to expand this to other uh, fronts or other problems. Today the focus is on Palestine, Gaza, Al-Quds, and so on. The only viable solution, the only uh, solution that could work is to have an army that steps up to to fight the army of the Jewish state and to step in and to cross the border and to liberate entire Palestine. But that solution is not even being presented on the table. Not even by the ones who who talk a lot, who, who really... Uh, 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 let me excuse my expression, even the bluff about it. Like Erdogan of Turkey, when he stood up and he called the uh, Israelis the terrorists, he called them the uh, slaughters, the criminals, he called them all types of names, all types of names, but but it did not upgrow to the point that, oh, my army, the ones I used in Libya, and I sent to Libya, the one I used against the Kurds, in, in uh, northern Syria and, and, uh, and Iraq, the one I used to block the uh, Syrian revolutionary from going into, into Damascus, that same army, he's not talking about it. He's talking about international forces to protect the shrines, the, 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 the holy places in, uh, in Al-Aqsa and Al-Quds, which is, uh, which is amazing because some people sometimes they get uh, really... Uh, uh, let me call it, they, they get fooled by these uh, by these words. But in his speech, he says, I underline, I demand that international forces be sent to uh, Al-Quds, to Palestine, to protect the holy places, and I underline the word international. So don't uh, misunderstand me, don't misquote me. I know what I am talking about. So, so the real... The only way, in fact, to 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 stop the the crimes and the the criminal attacks, the criminal occupation of Palestine, not only the criminal attack on Gaza, because the criminal attack on Gaza is only a subsequent uh, 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 escalation of the real problem, which is the whole occupation. The, the 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 Jewish state in Palestine is absolutely illegal and cannot be there, and has to be it has to go. But that's not even on the table for discussion. Today, after all this few days, uh, starting, I mean, we are almost on the second week now of the issue of this escalation. The only thing that's been moving ahead from uh, Security Council, America, the leaders of the, the Jewish state, the leaders in the Muslim world, in Qatar, in Saudi Arabia, in Jordan, in Egypt, and other places, is we have to move forward to have a ceasefire and to start negotiating the aftermath of this. 
Negotiating what? Negotiating what? Now, the only thing that's on the table today, the, the, the issues which are being put on the table for negotiation, there are three issues. As, and those issues are really the issues that the Jewish state, Netanyahu and his party and the, and the Israelis, they want to, to really to bring and to gain more. Number one, number one, they want to make sure that there is a complete recognition of the state of Israel as a Jewish state. And pay attention to the word, as a Jewish state in Palestine, in the places they occupy, and maybe in the other places which they would they could occupy one more. So that's number one, is the recognition by whom? Of course, the United Nations, the world recognizes them. The Arab countries, Egypt, Jordan, uh, uh, Emirates today, the uh, Oman, Bahrain, uh, Morocco, Sudan officially recognize them. And they had some, some relations already with them. But they want the recognition by the people who represent the Palestinians. And today, today they know and we know that the first entity in Palestine, which is called the, the, the authority, the Palestinian authority, which is the outgrowth of the PLO, the Palestinian Liberation Organization, did recognize the existence of Israel as a state in Palestine. They, they gave that in Oslo uh, uh, negotiations, and that was how they ended up in the West Bank having an authority. But they, there is yet another faction, another group, which is in Gaza, that had not gone into negotiations or accepted the state of the Jewish state in Palestine until now. That is the issue. That is where the emphasis is on. And that's why the concentration of the war there, that's why America is not allowing or is not giving the its green light to stop the, 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 the fight on on uh, Gaza, until and unless they have from uh, 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 from under the ground, from the talks behind the scene, because they say well, there, there are talks behind the scene going on using Qatar, uh, with talking with Hamas and Al-Jihad, using Egypt, talking uh, to Hamas and uh, Al-Jihad, using uh, Turkey, using Jordan. There are all types of talks. Once these talks reach a point where it's possible to move on with the negotiations, then they would give the, 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 uh, uh, the them that let's stop the uh, atrocities and the war and let's go to the table. Now let's go to the table. So once I crush you, I crush your zeal, I, I, and you are cornered in a manner that no one is moving to support you, no one is go, moving to help you, and the... the the, the, the killing and the death and the destruction is going on, then you give me the green light from behind the scene, of course, in the, in the, where the talk uh, is happening. Once we have that, then we will go into the next, what's called the proposed solution. So there are, as I mentioned, Al-Quds, that's number one, that the Jewish state want to make sure that it's their, their capital. Number two, a recognition of the uh, state of Israel as a, a pure Jewish state, a Jewish state with an identity being a Jewish state, that's what they have been uh, uh, talking about, and then a recognition uh, of a Palestinian representative of the land. And today, this representative is being magnified 
as it's being the uh, uh, military forces in in uh, in Gaza because that's the, the the remaining part which is being cornered between Egypt from one side the Jewish state on the other side and the sea which is blocked from the uh, western side which is the weakest although it's now the only one that is fighting and proving itself on the ground but at the uh, in on, in the current circumstances it is the one that has the weakest spot vis-a-vis Israel vis-a-vis Egypt vis-a-vis Jordan vis-a-vis uh, uh, Saudi Arabia vis-a-vis America vis-a-vis the the, the, the rest of the world so, so that's what what's happening there in other words what we have seen every time there is a war in this area the aftermath of the war becomes one more gain to firmly establish the Jewish state in Palestine. How long would that be? Look, as I mentioned a few minutes ago, there is no way in the world, absolutely no way, you can uh, take off the Jewish state from Palestine until and unless you have a force, an army that is willing and able to, to engage in a real war to engage in a real war, not in a fake war like 1967, 1948, 1973, or even 1982. In a real one, you need an army. And this army, this army, there is no way in the world an army can fight a big war until and unless it has its own ability to equip itself with arms. You need, you need a state that is able to to bring up an army that's completely equipped and, and, and armed with its own technology. You cannot fight your enemy with his own arms. Today, the majority, if not all, the Arab countries and, and Muslim countries, their real arms, the arms that they use and they have, the, especially the, the strategic ones, the ones that can make an, an, uh, an impact in a war front, are supplied by the one who is creating the Jewish state. So no one can can can, can kid himself or can say, oh, you know, I can like Turkey is fighting in order to get the uh, the S four hundred rockets from Russia and the F thirty fives from uh, from America. Are you going to fight with F thirty five, a baby? That America has given birth to the Jewish state. Are you uh, are you kidding me? There is no way in the world. You must be able to have a state that's absolutely sovereign, its own economy that can eat from its own food, that can supply its army with its own arms. And that's if you if you come and ask me, where the heck is this state? It doesn't exist. Of course, it doesn't exist. I will tell you today, it does not exist. It does not exist. No one qualifies, not Iran, not Turkey, not Egypt, not Pakistan, not Bangladesh. I'm naming the big the big guys. And then going to the smaller ones, Algeria, Tunis, Morocco, all of these, they don't qualify. They don't have this capability, what I'm talking about. You need a new state to be created. You need a state that's absolutely committed to its faith, to its aqidah. Because Palestine, as I said, it's aqidah. Jerusalem, Al-Quds is aqidah. Al-Aqsa is Aqidah. You need a state that is committed to this Aqidah. You need a state 
that is committed to its own aqidah, which includes the fact that al-Aqsa you cannot let go of. That's part of your Islam. It's part of your Iman. And this state must be based totally on the aqidah of the Ummah, which is Islam. And that aqidah, what does the aqidah, I mean, sometimes some people say, what are you talking, brother? Everybody, all the countries, they say, our religion is Islam. That's not what I'm saying, to give me a name in the constitution, the religion of the country of Egypt or Jordan or, or Syria or Iraq is Islam. No, I'm saying that a state that recognizes Allah as the only God and the Rabb, and Rabb who is to be obeyed. He is the, 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 the Lord of the country, the Lord of the state, the Lord of the land, the Lord of the people, the Lord of the laws, the Lord of the, 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 Lord of the constitutions. A state totally, totally based on what Allah Azza wa Jal says, on the ahkam of the rules of Allah Azza wa Jal. And that's what in the history of Islam, in the terminology of Islam, is what is called the Khilafah state, the state of Khilafah. That's not to, to label someone to say, oh, this brother comes from the, the group that talks about Khilafah. I'm talking about, this is what the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam talked about the Khilafah. When he said, uh, the, this uh, entity of Islam begins as prophethood and then will be succeeded by a Khilafah Rashida. And then there will be some kingdoms and some dictators and and but then it must come back to a khilafah on the on the footsteps of the prophethood. So that's not me I am saying, I'm just repeating what the Prophet said. This type of state, this type of state which is based totally on the aqidah, which is committed to the aqidah, which is committed to the laws of Islam, which can, which will uh, create armies, not only can protect. Uh, Muslims in Palestine and uh, the land in Palestine, but it can take uh, take care of all the affairs of Muslims worldwide. In fact, it can take care of the affairs of the people in general in the world and not to allow them to be occupied or suppressed or exploited or oppressed by big oppressors like the United States, Britain, France, uh, China, and, and, uh, and Russia. That is what is needed. Now, some people would come, let me go back to what I started saying. Oh, brother, Abu Talha, you are telling me that uh, uh, Palestine will not be liberated until that uh, state comes? I will say, yes, of course, it will not. And there is a proof that since 1948, not a single time that we were able, the Muslims, the way they are scattered today, the way they are, even sometimes when there are some people very sincere, you give your life, you are shaheed, you go to Allah Azza wa Jal, you will be in the, in the heavens, true. But the problem is not solved. That's a fact. That's a fact. Now, number two, you are telling me until that state comes, we will do nothing, we will let the Jewish state eat up the land and the people will say, no, that's not what we are saying. Whatever the brothers in Al-Aqsa in Palestine, in Gaza, are doing with their own bodies that no one can undermine. Absolutely, no one can undermine. But no one, no one in his right mind should let them alone in the, in the front. That is the issue. And not let them alone, it doesn't mean I have to go and demonstrate and protest. 
to demonstrate and protest. You, the Muslim should demonstrate, protest, and act to remove the regimes that are collaborating with the Jewish state and with their masters so that we can go and aid and support. We're not saying, oh, brothers in Gaza, go home, go down, uh, duck down in your, in your uh, camps. You can't say that. That's absolutely haram. That's not allowed. But you also, also, you cannot say that, oh, I am raising your flag back in Amman or in Cairo or in Damascus so that I'm showing my solidarity. That's not what is needed. Those brothers inside the occupied land, they are keeping this issue alive. They are showing everybody that a Jewish state is vulnerable. It can go. It can be eliminated. It can be removed from the whole map of the, of the, of the Muslim world. It can be removed. They are proving to us, the brothers and the sisters in Gaza and Al-Aqsa, in in uh, uh, in Khalil and even in the in the in the occupied land before 19 in 1948, the uh, Palestine which is almost forgotten about, they are proving to us that this entity called the Jewish state is vulnerable. It can go. It can be removed. But just come with an army. Now. Come with an army. Who's going to move the army in Jordan or Egypt or Syria to move? The kings or the presidents or the ones who who have uh, uh, who, who have so many ties with the uh, with the Jews, with the Israelis, with the with the uh, with the United States, with Britain, with Russia, with all over. They are not going to move. And so that's come that comes here one more time. One more time, we have to, to emphasize this time and time again. And we will not hesitate to keep pushing for it and not to say keep working for it. And if the Muslims, the Muslim Ummah doesn't know how to do that, we know. We know there is a, a very well-defined method on how to gain and build and construct an ideological state and to replace to replace the existing ones which have really let down this ummah. These states and regimes, not only they let us down, but they pushed us to all types of atrocities. They pushed us to the to to, to the extreme limit in Palestine to be to being crushed by the Jewish state. They let us down and they they they, they pushed us to the limit in Kashmir where the Hindus are are, uh, are abusing our Muslims there in Myanmar, in, in China with the Rohingya, and inside the rest of the Muslim places. So enough is enough. Now, if, if we have blood boiling in our bodies, that blood should be boiling in order to take the initiative with our own hands as Muslims to gain back the land and the sovereignty, the Islamic sovereignty, over our lands, over the whole Middle East, over the whole Muslim countries, so-called Muslim countries, the puppet countries. That is what is needed today. 
And that's the only thing, that's the only thing that can stop all of these schemas that are they are planning to. I don't want to go to, to too much details, but if things continue the way they are now, by letting down the brothers and sisters in Gaza alone and in Palestine alone, there will be yet a next transfer of Palestinians from Palestine, from the cities of Palestine. Kick them out to Lebanon, to Gaza, to other, to other places. And some people are telling me, oh, this cannot happen. The world will not allow it. What do you mean the world does not allow it? The world had allowed the creation of the Jewish state. They had allowed two migrations in 1948 and in 1967 and in 1982. The situation in Palestine, in Al-Quds, in Al-Aqsa, requires, requires to step up to the level to the level which can confront this whole world schema of creating a Jewish state inside the, 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 the holiest lands in this area to step up so that the problem can be eliminated once and for all. Not by Security Council, not by the negotiations on the table, not by its compromise, not by delaying, not by rebuilding. Gaza does not need rebuilding. Gaza needs to be supported totally so that no more, no more attacks, killing, occupation of any part of, the, of Palestine. That is the whole issue which we are facing today. So to summarize, to sum it up, today, the world is playing very dirty game with us one more time. And that dirty game aims at establishing and confirming this state which was created in 1948 as a pure Jewish state. And that means a lot. That means a lot. That means it allows the so-called Israelis at any point of time to evict anyone who does not belong to the identity of the so-called Israel Jewish state. And that's very dangerous. It can be done as one lump sum. It can be done over time period. And number two, number two, it becomes that this state which they have, they are uh, uh, creating or they are, they, they are confirming as a Jewish state becomes permanently, permanently established and recognized by the people who used to live there, which, and let me say one more thing here, at one point, at one point, they will come back to you, to the Muslims, Arabs, Palestinians, and say, well, if my state today, I'm the Jewish state, and this is Palestine is mine, it's my state, what the heck were you doing in this state before? So we would be termed as occupiers, so we would be called, we have occupied Palestine for thousands of years, or since uh, the 7th century, since the Umar bin Khattab arrived there, and we have to pay for that. You have to pay. Now, who's going to pay? Or they will charge the so-called the Arabs, the Muslim countries who collaborated in, create, in, in being there, 
and eventually I and you will pay from our taxes. We'll pay to the Jewish state for being there. If things happen the way they want, if we as Muslims allow it to happen, and we allow it to happen as long as we are not urgently seeking to re-establish our pure, sovereign, Islamic state of Khilafah. If we don't do that, we will continue to be in a mess by all means. One of it is Al-Aqsa and Al-Quds. And the list goes on and on. I really pray to Allah Azza wa Jal, although the dua is not enough, but I will do that to pray to make a dua to Allah Azza wa Jal, not to build for us a khilafah, but to enable us to open our minds and hearts as Muslims to see what is the right solution is and to go through it. We need the guidance from Allah Azza wa Jal. I pray to Allah Azza wa Jal to guide us, to show us to all as Muslims, as parties, as groups, where the solution lies and to enable us to proceed through that. I'll stop right here for to take some questions, comments, if there are any. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. I see a question on my screen. What should a normal Muslim be doing at this time? Well, uh, I'm not going to repeat what one of the ministers of uh, religious affairs uh, said few, I think yesterday or day before yesterday, when he said, we should be reading Quran and making dua for the brothers in, uh, uh, in Gaza and Al-Aqsa. That is disaster answer. That is a disastrous answer. What we should be doing, especially those who are outside the hot area, outside Palestine and Gaza, we should be working so hard and finding each and every brother or sister who is working to reestablish the Islamic state of Khilafah. Work with them. Add your power to the power of the ones who are working. Add your voice to the voice of the ones who are working to do that. Add your support. Add your support to the brothers, to the aid of the brothers who are working to get the sovereign state that can build an army. That's what you can do. That's what you should be doing. That's what I should be doing. I should not be sitting and just Praying to Allah Azza wa Jal to help. Allah helps. But for when Allah Azza wa Jal helps, He wants you to help yourself first and to provide, create the environment in which Allah Azza wa Jal provides the victory and the support for us. So that's what I would say is what we need to, what we should be doing. What should the Muslims be doing worldwide? Worldwide. This is. The only thing that is that works and that should work and that will work. Otherwise, can you send an army to, to, to Gaza? 
Can we send a penny? Today, a penny. A penny. Can you transfer it if you are in America or in Europe or in Canada? Can you go to the to MoneyGram today or to Western Union and say, I want to transfer $10,000 to some brothers and sisters in Gaza? Can you do that? You can't. Or you can go through some organizations. But what are these organizations? What is it that they allow to, 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 to creep in? You need to work to establish a base. Some Muslims say Jews are doing the same what we did in past. We were powerful and we took Al-Quds and now they are powerful so they take it back. Well, of course, they, they are not powerful actually. Let me just be uh, to correct. They are not powerful. The ones who uh, uh, took Al-Quds uh, and uh, Palestine at a time when the Muslims were weak, it was the British. And the British, they are the ones who established a homeland for them and they uh, uh, collaborated with all European countries to evict the Jews from Europe and to bring them to Palestine. So this, these are facts. Uh, and it's true. If you have the power, if you are the power, and you can do it, you can do it. Do it. That's, what, that's how the, the, the world is. The difference, the difference between Muslims and non-Muslims Muslims, whenever they take over a land, they bring not only peace, they bring peace, justice, well-being, and fairness to the people of the land, whether it's uh, uh, Palestine or Malaysia then, or the Anadolia, when Muslims came to Anadolia, or wherever. That's a fact. Muslims don't come to land to occupy it simply to oppress the people and kill them. Muslims don't kill the people in their shrines. The comparison is absolutely uh, unacceptable. The only thing is acceptable is, yes, of course, if you are not powerful, you will lose. So you have to be powerful. Islam does not say stay weak because people will recognize you because I am a Muslim and Al-Aqsa is mine, so I will let you do it. It's not, it doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. If you are weak, if you get out of the world arena the world order, if you sleep, if you fall down, if you fall down, they will step on you. Not because they are better or worse. They will, they will step on you because they can. They step on you because you, they can. The difference now, the Muslims, when someone falls, you don't step on him. You bring him up and you show him how to live decently under the rules of Islam. So that eventually, as it happened in the past, it happened in the past, as the majority of the people who converted to Islam, who were they? Do you think those 1.8 billion Muslims today, these are descendants of Abu Bakr and Umar and Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam? They are descendants of the Muslims who, who, uh, who accepted Islam at the time of the Prophet? These were Jews, Christians, Hindus, uh, atheists, nomads, anyone, because they saw the power and the strength and the justice and the fairness of Islam, so they entered Islam. So there is a difference between 
take it back or they take it. they are not going to let go of it Jewish state are not going to let go of Palestine simply because it's our right there is nothing called my right or your right now I believe that Al-Quds is mine because Al-Quds has Al-Aqsa and Al-Aqsa is included in the ayah of Surah Al-Isra and the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam made migration there at one point made a trip and Umar bin Khattab came and uh, uh, gained uh, Al-Quds that's my belief no one is going to to believe my belief America is not going to support my belief Britain does not care about what I believe in the Jews don't care about what my, I believe in but they don't care about my, what I believe in but for the Muslims not to care about what I believe in that's ridiculous that is ridiculous for the Muslims Muslim Ummah not to take the initiative to take to care about what it should care about which is about our our aqidah about our Islam about our land that is absolutely unacceptable I'm not going to argue with America or Britain or Russia to convince them that, oh, this is my holy land. Big deal, they would say. Your holy land is also the holy land of another one. But you have to regain the power so you can establish whatever you believe in. And you gain whatever you believe or think is your right and it is our right we believe that that's why I started this as part of our aqidah oh questions by brother uh, by sister Shumayla can you explain what you said Muslims will have to pay the Jews if they are recognized? Of course. Uh, today, what is on the table, what will be on the table next week or the days after, in the coming days, that the creation, what America calls creation of two-state solutions. Okay, that's, so let's take it, uh, uh, dissect this issue, two-state solutions. One state is a Palestinian state to be initiated and created. Doesn't matter where. Could be in Gaza, could be in the West Bank, could be anywhere else. The other state is a Jewish state, Palestinian vis-a-vis Jewish. Jewish state as an identity. Now, Jewish state, once it's recognized as a Jewish state, by the people who lived, who lived there, Palestinians, Arabs, and Muslims. Because now, once it's on the table and the negotiations go through, the ones who are going to sit on the table, directly or indirectly, and eventually sign all of these documents, they will have to recognize the state, which today is called Israel, as this is the Jewish state which needs to exist and must exist vis-a-vis -vis or next to a Palestinian state. Now, what does this mean? It means that if we recognize this, we say this is a Jewish state, this is a state for the Jews, that, and it's not occupation, remember. 
It's a state. It's a Jewish state. Does not mean occupation. It means that look, this is yours. Okay, it's mine. Then who was living there? Who is living there? Arabs, Palestinians. What was the status? What was the status of the people who lived there before the establishment and the recognition of the Jewish state? Their status would have been an occupiers. Who is the occupier now? Today we say the occupier is the Jewish state occupying Palestine. Tomorrow we will say the Jewish state is not an occupying state. It's a valid state recognized by blah, 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 by all, by all parties. So who is the occupier? I am the occupier. Palestinians are the occupiers. The people who live there are occupiers. You have to pay. The Jewish people, until today, they extract money from the Germans for a problem, for a, an atrocity, a crime that they did not commit. It was claimed. It was faked. This big crime, the, the so-called the, the big Holocaust. There were some atrocities which were done in order to push the Jews out of Germany and out of Europe to flee to Palestine. But then they forced the Germans to pay until today. And we will be forced to pay for a long time until, until we establish our own entity. That's what I meant by who is going to pay. You have to pay the Muslims or the Arabs or the Palestinians have to pay for occupying Palestine, the Palestine that will be recognized as a Jewish state. That's a byproduct of it. Is calling these armies who are protectors of Tawood correct Islamically? Well, the armies, look, uh, the issue is not calling names. Armies usually are the tools of the one who create them. Armies, you create an army, this is your army. Sisi creates an army, makes an army, that's his army. That's typical, that's normal. Until and unless, until and unless you find among these soldiers, officers, someone who is willing, who is willing to take himself out of this dilemma of being an army, a tool of the hand of an Tahut uh, or oppressor, and do something about it. Otherwise, in general, in general, our, our armies are the tools and devices of the one who make them and the one who has the sovereignty over the land. Now, soldiers, officers, as individual pieces, each and every one of them has to be treated or labeled uh, uh, individually uh, based on his own characteristic and, and uh, his own beliefs and ideas and thoughts and attitudes, etc., etc. But in general, as a unit, what you call it an army is a unit. is a unit in which there are many individuals. So this big unit, this big ball, that's called an army. That's usually, it's an, it's an, an entity. It's an entity that belongs in the hands of the, called the Taghut, the ruler, the uh, leader, whoever has created that. 
and the same will be when the Islamic army will be created. The same thing, if the Khalifa creates the army, then this army becomes the in the hand of the Khalifa, which is in this case the Khalifa must be uh, must act based on Islam. So that's the the difference. Khalifa is not a taghut, but in in general, the army will serve the plans and the strategies of the state in which it's created. So the issue here is not the labeling them. Uh, now, the currently, you cannot call them Islamic armies. They are not. As armies, they are not. They are, are, they are nationalist army. They are uh, armies of these states that created them. And none of the states are Islamic state. So you are not accusing them. You are just stating the fact as is. People don't really understand what it means to work towards establishing Khilafah. How would you explain it to them what to do? Well, uh, it's a good question, uh, sister. I hope with uh, Brother Faizan we will have a, a whole session on this issue because today the focus is, in general, to establish the fact that it must be done. How it's going to be done? What is the method we will... Uh, 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 make more details on this on other session uh, uh, dedicated to this purpose. But today, we just you we just talked about one particular crisis problem uh, catastrophe that's happening today that warrant the existence of the Khilafah. We just wanted to 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 make sure that this is known. This is uh, 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 that the people understand that now. Uh, once I am up to speed and to, to really be able to uh, uh, to work on this Khilafah issue, we will explain that on, on, uh, on another occasion, inshallah. You have to excuse me at this time because, as I said, this is we are devoted to this issue. So now, um, the question, could this uh, crisis be resolved by the USA and Security Council like before and all sides meet and put down their arms only for the Muslim Ummah to become quiet again after awakening? Well, look, uh, brother, if the scenario continues as it is happening today, all indications indicate that that's what, what will happen. All indications show that we are, or the the the, the political atmosphere of the issue is moving in that direction. Uh, in fact, this is what happened yesterday when the United States declined to issue, to allow the Security Council to issue a, a ceasefire uh, order uh, and allowed the conflict to, to escalate more for, for a few more days, according to Blinken. It says it requires a few more days before we can move to the next step of negotiating of uh, talking politics and diplomatic uh, solutions. So the the way things are happening, the way things are moving, they are moving to the direction of uh, sitting down on tables. Someone is going to take decisions on behalf of many people who don't like these decisions and who have probably given up their lives and their uh, loved ones in this uh, in this war. Uh, I hope uh, it will not go that far. I hope something uh, happens 
uh, in this uh, hemisphere of the Muslim world that can uh, divert or change all these schemas or plans. But until today, uh, I don't see, we don't see that things are moving uh, uh, any other direction. Why uh, is 100% impossible that a president like uh, Imran Khan or Erdogan or other Islamic presidents will send an army to liberate Palestine? Well, there is nothing 100% impossible, 100% certainty in the acts of people. People can change uh, their behavior. But the uh, truth of the matter is that the ones that we mentioned they have very strong ties with the uh, United States, uh, Europe, and the international order. Uh, and Erdogan had explicitly talked and said that this is what he's, uh, uh, he wants to happen. He wants to see that once the, uh, once the ceasefire, once the war stops, once all of this, he wants to see some world international forces to come into Jerusalem to organize who goes into Al-Aqsa at what point of time. Muslims, whenever the Jews want to go and pray and do their prayers, then the United Nations forces will facilitate that. When the Christians want to be in the vicinity from the backyard of the Al-Aqsa, from the Al-Qiyamah uh, uh, church, the United Nations would organize that. That's what Erdogan says. Imran Khan, uh, he had proven until now, since he had been in, in power, that he had always allied himself with the uh, with the U.S. the way it wants, without any without any hesitation. Whether it's in the issue of Kashmir, whether it's in the issue of Afghanistan, whether it's in on any other issue. The other day, when America was going to withdraw from Afghanistan after making some deals with Taliban, uh, Pakistan was part of the negotiations with the United States to enable America to just leave like that without paying any price. So this is, so uh, currently as we know, the ones they are not in the right direction. Now, can this change? Of course, it can change. It can change. So it's not really 100%. We, we always leave that one person for us so that we can we can push for it otherwise uh, uh, we will divert our attention to some other uh, to some other uh, uh, issues or uh, ways to do to doing things but as I, as I said it's uh, currently it's not a promising case that any of these uh, can convert. And that goes to Sisi in Egypt, that goes to the King of Jordan, that goes to the President of Syria, that goes to all. So there is no exception. That goes to Rouhani in Iran. Uh, uh, Iran has sent, in fact, has engaged itself in the war in Syria for the last 10 years and lost so many soldiers there. But it's not even talking a bit a word, not even a word about possible doing possible things 
in in uh, in in Palestine. Who is still resisting Israel at Gaza? As you said, PLO, etc., uh, recognize the occupation. Of course. Now, the PLO, look, PLO consists of so many uh, Palestinians who once upon a time, they did fight a war and resistance against the occupation. Uh, same manner, almost same manner as Hamas and Al-Jihad do today. That, that's a fact. So we are not going to uh, to ignore that. But then with the uh, being under the leadership, under the control of an organization, organized group, which is called the, the, uh, the uh, Central Committee of the PLO, which was led by Arafat at one point of time, today by Abbas. So those... They moved into the negotiation, they recognized Israel, they accepted its existence, and they settled down to a semi-little uh, 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 autonomy in, in uh, part of the West Bank with, without, any author, without any real authority on the, uh, on the land. That is what happened. Now, in Gaza, now of course, although uh, Hamas does exist in, in the West Bank, and not to the extent that they do in, in Gaza and Gaza they they have more power. That is where the, the 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 focus and the concentration on. The focus and the concentration is to bring this uh, entities, these entities that are outside the scope of the PLO and the Palestinian Authority to be part of the whole deal. And there were attempts to doing that through the so-called the elections, so-called the uh, resolving conflicts with the PLO uh, and there were some hints that this is doable or this is possible and the war today is one step one step of doing that because to stop the war and to resolve or not to resolve or at least to finish up this ordeal this crisis Negotiation have to take place. And who's going to negotiate? The one who is the one who has ability to impact and influence decisions of the brothers in Gaza, they are the ones who are going to, to negotiate. They are the ones that America is talking to. America is talking to Qatar. Why? What's the big deal about Qatar? Because Qatar is the major part that provides financial support to the brothers or to the people in Gaza in general. Why Egypt? Because Egypt has the control of the borders on how the arms can go into Gaza. Why Jordan? They talk to it because Jordan has an impact and it has so many connections to the Palestinians in the West Bank as well as in, in Gaza. So that's how America works. They don't work blindly. They know whom to negotiate with and whom to settle the issues with. Now, we, we definitely uh, can, uh, can call upon our brothers in Hamas and, and Al-Jihad, be careful, be careful, be careful, be careful. You have given, you have fought, very strong war 
They have given up lives. People in Gaza, they have given up shaheeds after shaheeds after shaheeds. Don't fall in their traps. Don't fall in the same traps like the brothers in Syria fell in in the revolution. The brothers who gave up millions between uh, uh, martyrs, between wounded people, between uh, evicted out of their homes, millions. More than five million brothers and sisters from Syria either have been killed, wounded, or evicted. Eventually, eventually they got caught, caught between the money and the finance coming from Qatar and Saudi Arabia at one point of time, and the so-called arms and support and uh, illusions of Turkey and Erdogan. And today, where do we stand? So that's a message we call upon the, the brothers. Look, you should not engage in any negotiation. You should not accept any solution that's given or orchestrated by America through the Security Council or United Nations. Just to stay as you are. You have been, you have been uh, uh, standing up firmly. Keep standing up firmly. You may not have to get into provocative actions to reduce the damage on, on the, the, the people there because people are really uh, helpless. They, are ba- they don't even have shelters to, 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 to go in. Play it as safe as possible. The real help is coming. The Ummah will not remain asleep for a long time. As Allah Azza wa Jal told the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, فَاصْبِرْ إِنَّ وَعْدَ اللَّهِ حَقِّ Asbir means stay steadfast. Don't deviate, don't change, don't fluctuate. The promise of Allah is coming. He didn't tell him when, but that's what he told him. فَاصْبِرْ إِنَّ وَعْدَ اللَّهِ حَقِّ Asbar, you have to, and Asbar does not mean, does not mean take the pain. It means, although taking the pain is part of it, but it means stick to what you are doing. Don't deviate, don't change, don't give up, don't give in, don't, uh, don't, don't give the other, the enemy, whatever he wants simply because you have been overpowered. So, Asbar, إِنَّ وَعَدَ اللَّهِ Asbar. Make sabr. And don't say that we have been making sabr and no one has moved to help us, really. Uh, so it's time to uh, uh, to make deals. It's There is never a time to make a deal. The only deal we can make is with Allah Azza wa Jal. And that's what we stand for. Okay, uh, Brother Iqbal, question. Uh, if you are the one of the powerful military generals of any of the strongest Muslim countries, what challenges would you face before answering the call for Khilafah in today's context? What should be the right mindset to face them? <laughs> so it's a good question, putting me on the spot. Look, uh, if I was the general or the brigadier of one of the armies, which are really, as you mentioned, it's a good uh, question, the strong 
armies of some Muslim countries like Pakistan, like Iraq, like Turkey. I will, I will insist, I will insist to move my army or the army that I am big general in or have influence in to take over, to take over the sovereignty of the state, because I will not, I will not go into a war as a general, even if I have uh, an, an impact over a big division or several divisions where my enemy is in the front and there is yet another sovereign which is also an enemy from the back. That I will not allow. I cannot, I cannot proceed one step front until and unless I know that my back is protected and I will not be hit from the back. And the back, who is the back? The back is, if I leave, if I'm, let's say, in, 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 uh, in, uh, in Egypt and I have a power over three divisions, big divisions, which I know I can go and really eliminate the whole state of the Jewish state. And if they are yet two or three divisions still in the hand of Sisi, I'm not going to move forward. I will move backward first. I will settle my issue with the top, with the, with the hand that controls the entire army. And make sure that what replaces that is someone I can trust. And the only one I can trust is an imam of a Muslim who is devoted to the aqidah of Islam as much as I am. So, so I'm, when I say, sometimes we cry out, we say the armies move, do whatever you are supposed to do. That does not explain the details. Look, armies, armies if they move, partitioned, one of the army moves to fight the Jewish state, and there is yet another army in the back that can fight you from the back, you are a loser. You lose the, the moment you move. So once that army general already knows how important it is to front and to help and to really gain back the power and the sovereignty over the entire Palestine and Al-Quds and Al-Aqsa, once he knows that, he has to clean up the house first. You don't go when there is yet another gun pointing at your back. That's not smart at all. And the Muslim is smart. Umar says, I'm not going to trick you and I will not allow anyone to trick me. And look, the moment, the moment army generals realize and come to the inculcation, to the understanding, to the conceptualization that they are responsible, that they bear responsibility over the atrocities committed in Palestine by the Jewish entity there. Once they understand that responsibility, then the next step to them is to see and to find out how to how to work on their responsibility, how to work their duties, 
and how to carry on the task in the most proper manner. Now, what I am saying today is exactly what Salah al-Din did more than 700 years ago. Salah al-Din realized now he has some power in Damascus with his uncle Nur al-Din. He has something. He has some people following him. But he looked at the at the uh, crusaders, Salibiyin in Jerusalem, in Al-Quds, in Palestine, they had some collaborators all over the, the place. They have collaborators in Jordan at the time in a place called Ajlon. They have some collaborators in uh, the vicinities of Egypt. They have collaborators in the northern of Syria. So he looked at that. If he goes to fight the, 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 the crusaders, he will be hit from the back. So he did not make his final move, which was a deterministic move, a detrimental move, a move that was final, which is which was uh, the, the knockdown for the crusaders at the time, until he was able to clean up the house in which he, or the, the, the base in which he has to move out of. He has a base, you must have a base. The base has to be protected, has to be solid. So he went all the way to Egypt until the, the last part of the Fatimiyya state that was, was over, was gone. And then Egypt had was gained back to the rest of the uh, Muslim hemisphere and Syria and Bilad al-Sham was all cleaned up from all the traitors and all the collaborators and, and, and all of that. And he was on a solid ground. Then he moved to Hattin. Then it was a piece of cake for him. It was one-way war, a war with the one who is in front of me. I don't have to fight two wars, a war from front and a war from back. That's impossible. That's a, that's a defeat. That's what Salah al-Din did. So today, if there is a Salah al-Din, and I hope some of these can hear us, if there is a Salah al-Din in Egypt, or a Salah al-Din in Syria, or a Salah al-Din in Turkey, or a Salah al-Din in Iran, or a Salah al-Din in Pakistan, that's what he should be doing. That Salah al-Din should solidify the base on which he will stand in order to make the next move. That is what I would do. That's what a Salah al-Din had done. That's what our next Salah al-Din should do. He had to solidify the base before he moves to the next step. And someone will say, oh, wait, look, we have been for the last hundred years uh, uh, not waiting. We have been in, in uh, the diaspora for the last hundred years and uh, disunity and dismay. So once you start this solidification process, the time will be, will go quick. One year, two years, 10 years, 15 years is nothing compared to the hundred years that had passed with miseries. Uh, the, someone says, sir, I would rather brother or friend. Anyway, uh, I don't like the word sir. This is a very uh, English uh, thing reminds us of the colonialism. Uh, so I, I don't want to be there. So we know that establishing the Khilafah is so important. Uh, but there is 
a lot of scholars and uh, ulama, and I don't know they uh, they are aware or not, uh, which is they doesn't want to speak about it. Should that be a, a concern? Well, it should not be a concern. It should be something to 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 note, uh, to take note of. Yes, I understand. For the last uh, hundred years since the Khilafah was uh, destroyed. Uh, part of the part of the collapse of the Khilafah, part of the objection to the return of the Khilafah or obstacles, were some uh, scholars uh, who assume the position of a scholar or who assume the position of being able to talk to Muslim Ummah, Muslim nations directly uh, using their authority or authoritative knowledge or or uh, political authority, uh, and have kept the uh, ummah in darkness and sometimes they actually speak against it sometimes they uh, uh, and I, I i have faced some incidents where some i talked to some people who are really in key positions about this issue of islam and the khilafah and the islamic state then their so-called mufti uh, bring them the issues look yeah, it's true the Khilafah is good, Islam is good, but remember that the Prophet ﷺ once told the people, some people, uh, if you pray five times and fast Ramadan, then that's all you have to do. And they bring a hadith which includes partially this issue. It's a hadith that someone came to ask the Prophet ﷺ, is it true that we have to pray five times a day? The Prophet told them yes. Then the, the man asked the Prophet, do we have to do anything more? He said, no. Then uh, do we have to fast one month in the year called Ramadan? He said, yes. Do we have to fast anymore? He told him, no. Then the the man who came from the, de- the, the desert, the Arabi, the Bedouin, he ran away. He rushed out of the masjid of the Prophet وسلم, saying, Wallahi la azidu alayha wa la unqas. I will not add any more to it and I will not decrease anything. I will just do exactly what the Prophet said. And the Prophet mentioned in front of the Sahaba, Aflaha in Sadaq. If this man sticks to whatever he says, then he is successful if he really doesn't. And so this Mufti is telling these brothers, these people, look, this is a hadith. Aflaha in Sadaq. He's successful if you do it. And he did not tell him to do more. And that hadith is taken out of context because the brother was asking him about the prayer. That is it five times? He said, no, that's only five times. No more, no less. But he did not ask him about zina, about khamar, about riba, about tatfif, about uh, 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 not fighting the enemies, about being a munafiq. That was not his concern. He was asking about these issues. So that's scholars have been doing this. So, uh, so-called scholars. And I said official scholars. But there are many who, who, who speak the truth. But the, the, the ummah, usually the media, the authoritative places, the governmental positions are given to these type of scholars who take who talk directly freely uh, to the ummah and they dilute the people. But that's not an issue. You said, is it a concern? It's a problem. It's a problem. But not, it's, it's not really a concern. Because we have access to the ummah as much as they have access. Our access to the ummah, we access the ummah, we talk to the ummah from grassroots. 
We are down to earth. We are grassroots. We are people. We are with the people. We talk to them about our daily problems, our issues. When you talk to someone and you see that he's really so poor, he's deprived, he's oppressed, you talk to him out of that concern. So we deal with the concerns of the people. So we have more access, more impact on the people than these guys. These guys have the platform which they address millions of people at a time. But you have the platform to address the people from within. So the impact and uh, to conclude this, look, those scholars have not talked to the people about the necessity of jihad to liberate Palestine for ages. Today, Today, when I said that demonstrations and the protest, there is one positive element there. And this big positive element that these people are demanding, they said, we want to make jihad. But nobody has been talking to them about jihad and about the the, 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 the need to uh, to crush the Jewish state and get it out of the... Uh, those official authorities and ulama and scholars have not been talking to them. Who's, who was talking to them about this? Who was talking to the ummah about the need for jihad, about the need to liberate, about the need to have sovereignty, about the need to be powerful. We have been talking, you have been talking. The, 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 the scholars of the grassroots, not the official scholars. Scholars means the ones who really know what needs to be done, and they are the grassroots. We have been talking to the people, and you have been talking to the people, and many others have been talking to the people directly. These are the ones who impacted those millions of Muslims to stand up today and demand that the fronts be open. And that's why they tell them, okay, demonstrate like in Jordan. They said, okay, you can go to the front lines and see if you can cross the border. Now, and that's a difference between awareness and the thrust. The thrust for jihad has been created. Awareness, awareness, on how to really perform it is yet to be done and it's our responsibility. So, if Erdogan sends Turkish armies to Palestine without Khilafah, would you support it or oppose it? I will neither... It's not the issue of support it or oppose it. That's his obligation. It's his obligation. My demand today as Amr bin Ma'ruf, I say, send arms today. Every day you wait, that is a concern and that is a, a, a big, big uh, sin on your back. Today, you have the army today. Don't wait until it's over. And don't tell me today what I'm telling Erdogan. I'm not saying if he, if he does it, he does it because it's obligation. And I'm supporting him to support. The only time I support a president or a big leader when he establishes full Islam. Partial Islam, he has to do it. That's an obligation. He has to do it because he's a Muslim. He has to do it. That's his obligation. Now, to go on with this, I'll say you have done this. Now you have yet to do inside Turkey, implement Islam and forget about secularism. That's 
when you do amr bil look sometimes people may misunderstand that if i see someone excuse my expression someone who is uh, in a place committing zina and drinking khamr okay and then i'll tell him look it is haram to do that and i keep pushing then he stops he kicks out the uh, the woman who is doing the zina with and then he continues to drink khamr the first thing i would say okay that's good you have accepted one rule but yet there is a second rule you have to do so today erdogan must send armies jordan must send army egypt must send army they must they control an army which is a muslim army an army of muslims and they are on the border of an occupier they have to do what they have to do but that is not sufficient for me to provide the support the support you have to go full fledged full pledge to islam and to the islamic rules and to the systems remove all these stupid constitutions and uh, riba and all types of things that you have in the country get rid of them then you will have my ultimate support then i will uh, uh, i will give you my hand so that to make the the uh, so the question here uh, about the erdogan sends the turkish army to uh, liberate palestine he has to do that he must do that he has no excuse not to do that but that's not enough to give him the support that's enough to tell him okay you have done one obligation now do the second one you you have done you you, you have done actually a big obligation so the other ones are smaller so uh, take care of them so that's a good question Okay. Okay. Thank you very much, uh, brothers and sisters, for the uh, uh, this discussion that we had with you. Uh, and uh, I hope and pray to Allah Azza wa Jal, as I said at the beginning, to enable us to speed up the work and to push uh, forward all the way, so that uh, we will have a khilafah established that will uh, assume all the responsibilities. for Muslims in the proper manner that Allah Azza wa Jal accepts from us. Jazakallahu, Jazakumullahu khair, wassalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Assalamu alaykum wa Thank you for listening to this podcast. Podcasts on current events, Islamic guidance, Quran tafsir, and seerah are available at islampodcasts.com as well as on iTunes. Rate, review, and comment, and let us know how we can grow in our knowledge to better serve our community. Please subscribe, share, and tell a friend about IslamPodcast.com.